Tatum goes by him with the dribble. Got swallowed up by the interior defense. That was like a scrum. Powell comes out of the middle of it. Takes it hard to the basket. Too hard off the glass. To Tatum, a pull-up three. Gets it quickly to Lowry. To Powell on the cut to the basket. Missed the shot. Good pass. Better defense. This game is getting tough. Siakam missed it. Goodness. And Boston takes what a timeout. We, what are we watching, Mike? <laughs> I told you, we're in the Y. <laughs> another day, another loss to the Boston Celtics. Has Brad Stevens totally outdone Nick Nurse once again? To discuss that game and much more, we have special guest, West Hearts Warriors wing, Mickey. Mickey, welcome to the podcast for the first ever time since its inception. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Fantastic. Well, Mickey, of course, he's a Boston Celtics analyst uh, for um, himself. But what we do know is he knows ball and he can talk his way through anything to do with uh, the Fighting Irish. So, straight into the Boston game, 120-106 loss. Um, Mickey, I'm going to pass this over to you first before I give the Raptors' take on it. Was this a case, as we said at the start, of Brad Stevens just out-coaching his counterpart once again? I think, well, one thing that Celtics have struggled with in the past um, is their ability to move the ball on the offensive end. And I don't think this was a struggle in this game. I think that's actually the reason why the Celtics seem so dominant. Um, if you look at the three points, uh, Celtics made 23 points made compared to the Raptors' nine. And partly to do with luck, partly to do with Peyton Pritchard and uh, Shemi Ojale shooting 75% from three. But I think you have to look to the stars of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. While on the surface, it may not look like they had great games. They were a bit... They, were, they had a great ability to move the ball and really there was great spacing in the team and I think that is a good example of Brad Stevens. Um, he had a clear-cut game plan where he, he said, guys have to always be in the corner and we have to space the floor really well and it paid off and the guys were able to hit their shots. So yeah. Well, well the Raptors system in general, Nick Nurse, what he does against teams with star players, whether uh, it's against the Nets, he did it against Kyrie and Harden, for example, it's to really focus maybe throw some doubles at those star players and basically admit that okay if the role players on the opposition team are making their shots we can give up the game essentially and that's what happened you limited Jason Tatum to 5 of 13 shooting and Jalen Brown to 3 of 14 shooting but as you say Semi and Peyton Pritchard together made 12 threes I I think that's Semi's all-time high scoring yeah. record and actually that in fact is Peyton Pritchard as well uh, up until the last time he played Toronto which is quite a sad indictment on this Raptors team um, but yeah no talk more about Jalen and Tatum of course 9 and 10 assists uh, respectively uh, plus 23 and plus 18 on the floor um, as you say they didn't necessarily do much at the basket but they were facilitating and we talk about, I mean, me and Boral in the past, we've talked about teams like the Nuggets and the Jazz where 
you can trust any player on that team to take a shot, but they don't know, don't necessarily have that star power. Is this Celtic Celtics team a mix of that star power? And plus, once these role players need to step up, they can. Or, or, and I hope this is the case. Was this just pure luck and Peyton and Semi just going off, and they'll never do that again in their careers, at least in the near future? Um, I think you could say that the Celtics do have. A great mix. They have a great few role players. Um, Daniel Tice is a great example. He's super efficient from the field and from the three-point line. So the Celtics do have great role players, but I do think uh, we depend on the stars a lot. And that's why I think Nick Nurse came out and uh, really tried to put pressure on Tatum and Brown. Why did they didn't score that many points? But I think the Celtics do have a great system and great role players who, when they do turn up, um, which I don't expect from Semi Ocele, especially in the future. This was a one-off night, I think. But when they do turn up, it, the Celtics are hard to stop. They really are. Well, how, how do you compare it to last time? Because it was, I believe, back in January, uh, just last month, where the Celtics beat the Raptors 126-114. But instead of role players contributing, this was simply Jason Tatum scoring 40 points. So... Yeah. And, and you will have more knowledge about this. How are teams managing to stop the Celtics this year? Of course, you're still over 500. You have a 13 and 12 record, I believe, uh, this season. Um, but how are teams stopping you when they manage to? Is it just a war of attrition and hoping that the star players score less than theirs? Um, wh- where is the weakness? Where's the chink in the armor from this team? I can't see it necessarily. Yeah. Um, um... Well, I think early on, I remember a Pacers game towards the beginning of the season. We played them, I think, twice um, back-to-back nights. And the Pacers, their game plan was quite clear. It was to pressure Tatum, and whenever there was a screen, just double. And Tatum turned the ball over a lot in those first uh, first few games. And that's when Jalen Brown really started to uh, come forward. But notably, Tatum wasn't that great at um, keeping the ball. And... But over the season, he's progressed. And I think he he wasn't that aggressive in this game. But when he was, he wasn't just like in the past when he's aggressive. He just looks towards the basket sometimes. But he had his eyes open and he was um, he had the ability to spread the ball. And so I think, honestly, I think teams in the past, um, they've tried to look towards Tatum and Brown and try and stop them. But... I think one thing that they need to do is to realise that the Celtics are one of the top three-point shooting teams in the league. And that when the Celtics are hitting their shots, hitting their threes, um, I think they they had 51.3% from the uh, three-point line in the Raptors game. So when the Celtics are hitting their threes, they are quite hard to stop. And so it's kind of a damage limitation in that sense. And it's also a game of luck. And let's look forward to the... I know it's still quite far away but looking forward to the playoffs of course Boston likely to qualify in one of the upper seeds once again uh, they've fallen of course um, at either the second or the last hurdle either in the semi-finals or the uh, conference finals every year I believe for the last four years I mean yeah. you were lucky enough to attend one of the games uh, a few years ago uh, where they managed to turn it up um, firstly, will Boston struggle without their home advantage? I mean, I know that I hate the Raptors going to TD Garden because, you know, uh, that Boston crowd is very famous, uh, especially in playoff times. And secondly, has Ma- has Brad Stevens managed to make enough tweaks this year to stop them going out? I mean, 
they've they were outclassed last year and i i believe they've been outclassed every single year um yeah. and the fact that quite a mediocre raptors side did take them to seven isn't again and necessarily a great indictment of their prospects so what what's he tweaked this year what do you think the plan is of course he didn't sh- necessarily show he's not going to show all his cards during the regular season but has there been any signs of of what we're seeing really or is there any players who've necessarily stepped it up talk me through that playoff uh, playoff boston prospects well um on the surface it actually doesn't seem like the celtics have improved that much um we lost a great big man in s canter he's a great guy in the post um and it, uh, on the offensive end he was really really good big man and one thing notably about the Celtics is defensively they're not very consistent this season I think last season we were third in defensive rating uh, towards the end and at the start of this year we were near the bottom and now we're kind of middling around 16-17 in terms of defensive rating so on the surface it doesn't really seem like the Celtics have improved that much or Brad Stevens has made enough tweaks to um, you know give the Celtics considerable advantage going into the season but I do think that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have really, really developed. And with Camber being out the first uh, few games of the season, it allowed them to develop even more into more of a star player. I think Tatum is someone who um, is is taking on a lot more responsibility this season. And uh, we've got good role players who can all hit the three, uh, apart from really Tristan Thompson. The rest can can shoot the ball. Um, and so I think the system has changed towards a more star focus, but the stars are, have developed into players who are able to control the game. And I think that will make a significant difference, although I'm doubtful whether or not we'll be able to reach um, the finals. Yeah, I mean, I will talk about Philly and maybe the Bucks in the future, but the Raptors, despite a terrible start, look likely now to make at least a lower playoff seeds and potentially face off once again against Boston. Now, last season, we remember what happened. Uh, despite it being a seven-game series, uh, you got the sense from game one, game two, that Boston were were the better team and were going to somehow pull, pull it off because um, they just... Brad Stevens had totally outclassed Nick Nurse and managed to get the correct matchups. This season, however, the roster is constructed a bit differently. And when I analysed the two rosters, they are actually built quite similarly now. There's a couple of star guards, right? You talk about Kemba and Jalen, then you talk about Lowry and Van Vliet. There's a very, maybe, I'm going to call him an average center in Daniel Tice, uh, who fits well into the system. You can compare him to Aaron Baines. Uh, and then you've got players, maybe you can compare Tatum to Siakam. I know Tatum's playing a lot better, especially in the playoffs. Um, and then, you know, you've got uh, a lot of decent role players, right? Norman Powell can be compared to Samuel Ajayi, Chris Boucher to Tristan Thompson. So they're built very similarly. Last year, of course, the struggles really came in the center position from the Raptors because Ibaka and Gasol weren't able to put their mark on the game with Daniel Tice. But this time, there's less focus on the post from Nick Nurse's system. There's more focus on the outside. The Raptors do rein in a lot of threes. Um, they they make a lot more cuts, I've noticed, this season. Are you as confident this year than last against the Raptors? Do you? Th- I well, mean, I think it's it's arguably it's a worse team on paper, the Raptors, yeah. but it's a different system. Yeah, it's completely different. And I think um, the reason why the Celtics have been so inconsistent in the playoffs in terms of not being able to reach those um, 
those conference finals and the finals. Is actually uh, to my point earlier about three points. Celtics focus heavily on shooting the three ball, and when that ball is not dropping, Celtics are really um, inconsistent, and that's why teams are able, always able to make comebacks against the Celtics, um, especially in a seven-game series. Uh, but on the surface, I don't know. It's it's a tough one to call because again, the system is very different. And if you look at the role players of the Celtics this season, uh, you could say that they were a downgrade. Payne Pritchard being a, a really pleasant surprise, but I think we're really missing guys like NS Cantor. Um, uh, and yeah, so on the surface, I don't know whether or not the Celtics will be able to go further. But so far, again, that star power of Tatum and Brown really developing and Campbell Walker just being able to uh, supplement that um, and also take a step back. Uh, I think it gives it sets the Celtics up nicely, but it's about whether or not we're able to be consistent in the playoffs, which I guess is remains to be seen. Fair enough. Um, and one of the, a couple of other points actually I was going to make. Uh, firstly, in terms of the roster build, uh, Nick Nurse has a, appeared to take Brad Stevens' recruiting strategy of like six foot eight to six foot ten, really sturdy guys. Um, so he's got this year. He's got obviously giving a lot of minutes to Bembry, Stanley Johnson. Uh, Utah Watanabe, uh, OG Ananobi, those sort of really solid defenders who can't be moved in the post but can still defend uh, the three. Um, what do you think of Pasca- Pascal Siakam this game? Obviously, he struggled in the playoffs. Uh, this game, he played extremely well, you know. Uh, eight for 14, 23 points, uh, got to the line plenty. Um, didn't necessarily do much else on the box score, but there was a lot to be encouraged. Uh, he wasn't a factor in the bubble playoffs, will he be a factor this time around against the Celtics? So. Well, recently, the last few games, Siakam's been on a bit of a tear, hasn't he? Um, but we put that down, actually. Uh, me and Varal, last time, we maybe put that down to matchups, And so that's why this was quite a surprise that, yeah. you know, with these defenders, he managed to still deliver 20-plus. Yeah, well, I think Brad Stevens definitely did plan around Pascal Siakam. Um, that's why Semi Ojale was in the starting lineup, not because of his offensive ability, but um, I think for the for the forwards and the um, Jalen Brown, Tatum, Ojale, those guys to be able to switch um, really easily and kind of handle any matchup that was thrown at them. And so um, I think Siakam, although he did have a good game statistically, I didn't really see a big imprint he had on the game um, in terms of taking over and taking control. And I think he was. It was a quiet 20... How many points was it again? It was 23 a quiet, points. Yeah. Quiet 23 points. Um, and while he did play a good game, I just didn't see him kind of taking over, as you might have done in the 2019 series, um, against the Warriors especially, I remember. So, uh, I think Siakam definitely is a factor, and Brad Stevens definitely does plan around him. That's why Sami Ojeda was in the starting lineup. But... I think with the Celtics' ability to switch um, from the three to five, even Daniel Tice can take Siakam sometimes. <laughs> from the three to the five position, maybe the two to the five position. Um, the, if the Celtics are able to communicate defensively and try and be as consistent as they were this game, they can really limit Siakam. And even though he did score 23 points, like I said, it was quite a quiet uh, 23 points in my opinion. Well, either way, you know it's going to be a cracking series if they do meet up again. And of course, the last game of the regular season, Friday, 5th March, we see Boston taking on Toronto uh, for the last game of the regular season. Um, 
before this actually so we focus on Boston today before this the Raptors have only had um couple of other games this week a very comfortable win against Washington where we saw the three-headed trio of Powell Van Vliet and Siakam score over 90 points together but of course you realize the Washington defense um is to put it kindly subpar and you sort of chalk that win off as just a standard win but what it did do was raise the Raptors to one game behind uh 0500 uh in the rankings and put them actually at fifth in the east and had they beaten Boston the Raptors would have actually been fourth in the East, which after a start which caused many fans and even some analysts to say, of course, not including this podcast, including to say that the Raptors should maybe tank or, you know, uh, not try and make the playoffs or trade Lowry or rebuild. Um, suddenly they're in contention again. So it's again, those kind of wins, although they're against poor teams, are still extremely encouraging and it kind of reinforces the Raptors becoming flat-track bullies. Um, Mickey, outside the NBA, what have you noticed? Who is the t- Who are the teams you are watching? Of course, we've got some, uh, you know, usual suspects. You know, the Brooklyn Nets, extremely fun to watch at the moment. Uh, you mentioned before the podcast that the Warriors were another team you might be keeping your eye on. Um, they're not got the best record, but somehow they're still extremely entertaining to watch, aren't they? They are, yeah. They started off quite poorly, I think, especially Steph Curry, uh, the first few games of this season. But and Kelly Oubre, that's another noticeable uh, player that really that, underperformed at the beginning. Is, is that why you traded Curry in uh, fantasy <laughs> basketball? We don't yeah. want to talk about that. Um, we don't. We don't. Yeah, I didn't. Ex- uh, from the first few games, what I saw, I didn't expect them to turn it around. But I think Draymond Green coming back into the uh, into the lineup actually had. A big impact. He's not obviously the biggest stat. Um, he doesn't, you know, fill the stat sheets, but he is honestly a great leader, and he uh, he brought more of a maturity to the Warriors team. I say that, although he kind of just shot a half court shot in the middle of the game um, the other day. Uh, but he has, I think, he has had a big impact on the Warriors, and with Curry being on a bit of a tear, um, this is a potential. Although not many people are talking about it, it's, it is a potential MVP season, especially if he can lead his teams to the playoffs and keep putting up the numbers that he is. Um, yeah, they're definitely a team to keep an eye out for, especially when Wiseman properly returns. So, yeah, no, just looking at their roster, I mean, next season when Clay hopefully comes back, and there was actually quite a uh, heartbreaking video of him slamming the announcers' board yesterday when he couldn't he couldn't help his team out. But Steph, Clay, Wiggins, who has made a real comeback after a tough time at Minnesota. Then Draymond, of course, veterans presence. And, of course, James Wiseman. I mean, the yep. Warriors teams in the past have had centres, what, like Bogut, like McGee, like uh, players who fit into the system but are very average. But Wiseman is something else. And um, yeah. he, Warriors fans should be very confident going forward. It's almost a free-hit season for them, but it's, all, it's turned into something competitive. Um one thing I wanted to mention, actually, uh, I'm going to let Varel talk about the Jazz. He's a huge, huge Jazz fan. But um, the Brooklyn Nets yesterday, um, they are said to be in the market for a center. Um, it's weird that they didn't go for one like Drummond when they went for the trade. It probably would have, of course, been too much salary-wise. They're still winning. They're still 16-12, and 12, but... They just seem to be struggling against every single team with a serviceable center, right? Whether it be 
the Grizzlies with uh, Jonas Valanciunas, whether it be the Hawks with Clint Capella, two losses to the Cavs, of course, with Jarrett Allen and Andre Drummond. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on can uh, we've seen the Warriors do it in the past, and uh, it's not like they're lacking big men. I mean, they've got a seven foot Kevin Durant there, but without a traditional center. And this has been quite a theme of our podcast this season, especially when it comes to the Raptors. Can a team go far in the playoffs? Or will, especially in the East, someone like uh, Embiid or someone like Giannis really bully them at the five? What do you think uh, in terms of the Nets' prospects? Yeah, well, DeAndre Jordan just isn't cutting it at the moment. And I think it is possible um, to go far in the playoffs without a traditional centre. You know, remember the Warriors' death lineup a few years back? It is definitely possible, but you need a great, uh, great defensive wings who are able to switch onto those big guys, guys who and a great system as well. If Embiid gets the ball in the post and there's no seven foot center to stop him, it would be quite difficult. You almost certainly need to double team him. So you need great rotation um, and great defensive consistency from the Brooklyn Nets in the future. Um, and yeah, it is surprising that they didn't go for another. They didn't go for someone like uh, Drummond or try and keep Allen, but I guess to get hardened, you do what you can, right? Exactly. Yeah, and it's worked so, so far. Yeah, it has. It has, especially on the offensive end. You know, they're really kind of they're tough to stop when you've got three superstar caliber players, um, and Joe Harris as well. Honestly, a really underrated uh, guy, I think. Uh, so yeah, I think it is definitely possible for them to go far in the playoffs, but they'll need to look to outscore their opponents and to really work, um, really work in terms of forcing turnovers and steals, because on the rebounds they're going to get they're going to get bullied. A guy like a guy like DeAndre Jordan is not going to be able to stop Joel Embiid um, in the playoffs. But I do feel sorry yeah. for him because I, yeah. I think he I think Harden and Durant specifically requested that the Nets sign him, but I don't think he ever expected to be playing starters minutes in a playoff chasing team, sorry, no. playoff championship contending team. So I kind of feel sorry for him. Um, but talking of big men, uh, there's some rumors flying around. I'm just looking at a Bleacher Report piece right now, which says the Celtics topped a couple of top targets for the Celtics, um, assuming they're willing to trade Kemba Walker. Going to be Nikola Vucevic and Julius Randle. Um, yeah. Of course, we talked about the Celtics having Daniel Thice, someone who fits in the system, but not necessarily a good player, a great player upon himself. Um, yeah. Should they be pushing the panic button on Kemba Walker yet? Or are you happy with how the Celtics are going? And let's just leave it at that. I don't think that they should push the button on Kemba Walker. Celtics have, when Robert Williams is healthy, they have, I think, four players who can play the centre. Daniel Tice, Tristan Thompson, Robert Williams and Grant Williams. Yeah, what's happened to Robert so, Williams? There was a lot of talk about him last year. He's he's had a lot of um, injury issues. And the Celtics have kind of been plagued with injury issues the last um, year. But Robert Williams, when he's on, he's really on. Um, I remember, the I think it was game two or three of the Raptors series. He really turned up when he came in. And he made a big, big impact on the game in the bubble. Uh, so, yeah, I honestly don't think that Kemba Walker should be... Um, they, the Celtics should push the button on the trade for Kemba, Kemba Walker. I think the role players are playing really well right now and the system is working. And yeah, I don't think Kemba Walker should be traded for a big guy when I think the role players are playing so well. And adding a centre could potentially, adding a big centre but get, getting rid of Kemba could potentially destroy the Celtics, I think. 
So I'm quite content with where the Celtics are now. And maybe in the off-season, look towards a centre because that hasn't been the struggle in the past few years for the Celtics. But at the moment, no. Fair enough. I mean, that same article says that the Raptors should target Robin Lopez. So uh, maybe <laughs> take that with a little pinch of salt. Uh, but either way, Mickey, it's been enlightening having you on the podcast. Of course, it's good to get Boston analysts, even though they are the enemy, on from time to time. Um, I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll see you in the playoffs. I'm hoping the Raptors don't choke their last ten or so games, and uh, well, their next. Uh, I mean, we're only a third of the way through the season. It's the next yeah. fifty or so games, um, and and we'll see you in the playoffs, if not before. But uh, Mickey. Uh, best of luck. Uh, well, I'm not going to say best of luck with Boston, but best of luck in your uh, Boston analysis going forward. Uh, and yeah, it's been great having you on the pod. Thank you. Thanks very much.